Tonight is our 99th installment in the book of John, 99 consecutive days. How awesome that has been. That's really a staggering thing to think about. 99 consecutive days we've moved to the gospel of John. It has been tremendous. Uh, tomorrow will be our last day, our last time in this study. Uh, I'll tell you tonight, it kind of feels like Christmas Eve. Um, I'm not sure if we should put out milk and cookies or if we should go to bed early and wait for Santa Claus tonight. I'm not sure. Uh, but tomorrow will be our 100th meeting. Praise the Lord. I would like to try something weird tonight. We know these uh, videos are being watched all over the world. We know that. Uh, I'm going to ask now if you are watching locally or somewhere else, and if you have been blessed, if you'd write a note to Calvary Baptist Church, the address is going to be on your screen, or if you'd send us an email, it's on our, our church website. Uh, we would love to hear from you, and we'd be interested to see all the places that this is being uh, watched and viewed. And so again, uh, we've been praying for you this entire time, and now we would like to hear from you. All right, so the next to last day, and God has blessed us. God has shown us his grace in the giving of his word. I will tell you, it has been remarkable, but I want to be very clear tonight, the best is still ahead. The best is still ahead. Now, I've been saying, and, and I, want to, I want to drive the point home tonight, I truly believe we are living in the greatest time to be a follower of Jesus Christ ever. Now, it's a crazy time, but I truly believe this is the greatest time to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen to me tonight. If you want your life to matter, if you want to make a great impact with the days of your life, the best days are just before us. Now, listen to me tonight. It is no coincidence in what we've been doing. It is no coincidence, I'll tell you, that you're listening tonight, that you're here tonight. God has great things for you to do. Now, we miss that a lot of the time. God has something great. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, God has something great for you to do. Sometimes we go through a study like this and we think, well... I'd like to have seen that. You ever think that? I, I would have liked to have heard that. I would have liked to have been a part of, of something like that. I wish I were like Peter. I wish I were like John. Well, the truth is God loves you and God knows you and God has built you to do something spectacular, something that brings him honor, something that makes him smile. Listen tonight, the greatest part for you can be ahead. Here's the question tonight. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you ready? Are you willing to set aside the normal and to walk into something tremendous? Tonight our message is entitled, What Has Become what has been my theme, and that is this, let's go. Our message tonight is entitled, Let's Go. John chapter 21, verses 18 through 23. 23, let's go. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. 
John chapter 21, beginning in the 18th verse, Jesus is speaking here. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one whom also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight and we praise you tonight. On this Saturday night, we're, we're thankful for a Redeemer. We're thankful for a Savior. We're thankful for a hope. We're thankful for a king tonight, Jesus. Lord, I, I come and I pray that you have, you've been worshiped, that you have, have seen our hearts tonight as we've, as we've lifted up your name tonight. I, I pray, Lord, now that as we begin to study your word, I pray on this 99th event that it would be tremendous. I know your word, Lord, is living and active. I know you speak. And so I pray tonight on this 99th event that we would hear the voice of our Savior, the voice of our God. And I pray that we'd be encouraged. I pray that we'd be built up. I, I pray we'd be prepared for the great things that are ahead for us as your people. Lord, we come, and I'm thankful, so thankful for these opportunities, so thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We just praise you tonight. We worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, tonight we are in the 21st chapter. And again, it is a chapter, kind of an odd chapter, resolving some last things, reconciling some last issues, getting everything set in its place for the work of the church that is about to begin. Now, I believe this 21st chapter is important in our preparation as well. Now, I think, it's, I think it's here. It's God's perfect wisdom. And I think this 21st chapter is important for you. It's important for us in our preparation as well. You see, the last couple of nights we have seen, we also have to reconcile some things, not just Peter, but we also have to try and resolve some things in order for us to be ready to move forward. Now, God's got something for us. I believe that. It is tremendous. But there are some things we need to reconcile as believers, some things we need to resolve before we can effectively move forward. So let's go. Here we go. In our verses tonight, Jesus has been talking to Peter. He has restored him, remember, after his denial. He has recommissioned him, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he continues, and that's what we're going to see tonight, to instruct him. 
So he has restored him. He has recommissioned him. Now we see he is instructing him. Now we start back tonight in our verses in verse 18. Let's go to verse 18. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, Jesus here in verse 18 is teaching Peter. It, it never ends. He is teaching Peter. Now, through Peter, he's also teaching us tonight as well. Now, here's the subject tonight. It is discipleship. And so he is teaching Peter, and he's teaching us tonight as well about discipleship. Now, here's the deal tonight. Let me just tell you this. Today, we have made discipleship a fad. It's a fad today. We've made discipleship a buzzword. People talk all about, well, how, what's the discipleship in your church, the discipleship program? We've made discipleship a buzzword. We've made discipleship a program. Here's the program. Here's the book. If you'll do these things, you will be a disciple. We've got books on it. We've got classes on it. We even have T-shirts about discipleship. There are T-shirts about discipleship. Well, tonight, Jesus is teaching about true discipleship. Now, we may be shocked tonight to see what he says, but he's going to teach tonight not about some fad, not about a book that we want to purchase and check off. He's going to teach tonight about true discipleship. Now, in a verse tonight, he starts off, and he says, truly, truly, all the way through John's gospel, we see this is a big deal. When Jesus says, truly, truly, it sets off something important. It literally means, now it literally translates in the original language, listen, this is the truth. And so every time all the way through when Jesus says, truly, truly, he is saying, listen, this is the truth. Now here's what he says to Peter. When you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. He tells Peter here, when Peter was younger, he was in control. When Peter was younger, he would set the course. When Peter was younger, he would decide what a day would hold. I want you to get this tonight. Here's the truth tonight. You are either self-led or you are Christ-led. You are either setting the course or Jesus is. That's the first thing we see tonight. Either you're self-led or you're Christ-led. Either you're setting the course or Jesus is setting the course. Well, he reminds Peter, before he followed him, he was self-led. That's how Peter was. He was self-directed. He says, but, now that's a word of contrast, a conjunction of con contrast, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you did not wish to go. Let's go ahead and read verse 19. Now this he said, signifying 
by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus was telling Peter here in these verses how he would die. For following Jesus, he would be arrested, he would be tied up, and he would be led to his own crucifixion. Now, church tradition tells us this is how Peter dies. He, like Jesus, is executed by the means of crucifixion. Peter also, like Jesus, is crucified. Now, I want you to see this. After telling him that, then Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Now, I think that's important. We need to see that after he says that. After he says, you're going to be crucified. They're going to stretch out your hands. That's how you're going to die. After he tells him that, then he says to Peter, follow me. All right, let's talk about this. Understand tonight, the essence of the Christian life, what distinguishes us as Christians And what the meaning of discipleship is, we can sum up in two words, and that is this, follow Jesus. We we don't need a book. We we really don't need a program. Here's the essence of Christian life. Follow Jesus. Well, what does it mean to be a disciple? Follow Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus, very simply and very plainly, is to follow Jesus. Now, that is so simple, this is where we get into trouble. Go with me here. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Let me give you a couple things. I'm going to give you three things, in fact. The first thing is this. To follow Jesus is to follow his will. To follow his will. Now, what that means is Jesus sets the direction. Jesus sets the priorities. Jesus leads and we follow. Now, here's the problem. It is a total surrender. And that's the problem. We wonder, well, where are all the disciples today? The problem is it is a total surrender. Here's what we think. We think we can partially follow. That is our day. That's what our churches are full of. People that say, you know what? Oh, I love Jesus. I'm ready to go to heaven. But they want to, partially follow Jesus. Here's what we think. We think we can follow him in some areas, but not in others. You know what? I I want to give him this area. I need him to take this area, but you know what? I'll, I'll take care of this area. We think we can have a half hearted commitment. And so I'll just tell you, we we try to hold back, we try to compartmentalize, we try to keep some things for ourselves, and we move on with a half-hearted commitment. And so we go through life, and we never see the great things. We never are a part of anything that's grand. We go through life, and yes, I understand, he forgave me my sins, and, and I want to be in heaven with him, but we never give him everything. And so guess what? Our lives look like the world's. Isn't that the problem of the day? We need some sold out disciples. We need some people to say, I give you everything. I make a mess of what I hold back. I give you everything. 
The first thing is this. We have to follow his will, his will, his plan, his priority. He sets the course. We have to follow his will. Second thing is this. We have to follow his word. We have to follow his word. Now listen, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of his word. Now I want to I say that again because it's important. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a disciple of his word. We have to know it. We have to study it. We have to hear it the way we are tonight. We need to memorize it. We have to inordinately be in the word of Christ, the word of God, to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus actually says to abide in him is to abide in his word. Let me tell you something. Most of us, now don't get mad, it's the last night, but let me just tell you, most of us have a Mickey Mouse commitment to the word of God. Most of us have a Mickey Mouse commitment to the word of God. Therefore, most of us in 2021 have a Mickey Mouse understanding of the word of God. That won't work. That won't work to be a disciple of Jesus. We have to be a disciple of his word. We have to open it up. We have to read it and study it and think about it. Now, I want you to be sure tonight, this isn't to beat you up, and this isn't to make you feel bad. I don't have anything against Mickey Mouse. But what this is to say is this. We can start here. You can start here. And I don't care wherever you're at. We can start right here. The best thing to do, listen, is time spent in the Word of God. Let me tell you a story, and maybe it'll make you feel better. I grew up in church. I was 33 years old when I was called to be a pastor. I believed I'd be a fifth-generation farmer, and that's what I would do. I had several Bibles, had a lot of Bibles. Had one I kept in my pickup that sometimes I took into church when I went. Sometimes I didn't even take it in. When I did go, sometimes I didn't go. And I believe God called me to be a preacher. This is a true story. And I went and talked to somebody, and they said, well, if you're going to say, thus saith the Lord, you better be able to know what saith the Lord. And so you better go figure some stuff out. So I signed up for seminary. I went to seminary first day, true story, and I'm sitting in there, and I'm 33 years old, and these, these people are all kids, and they have backpacks, and they look cool, and I'm sitting there, look like I just got off a John Deere tractor, <laughs> and somebody said, well, you know, it's like when you memorize the books of the Bible, you never forget them, and he said, like so-and-so, and there's, a, there's a young lady there, and he said, tell us the books of the Bible. And she got about six or seven in, and she didn't know. And everybody kind of smirked, and everybody kind of laughed. And I was sitting there going, singing that song. Genesis, Exodus, <laughs> You know what I did before Wednesday's class? I got my Bible and said, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, John. I memorized the books of the Bible. Listen, we have to commit to the Word of God. Wherever you're at, where you're at. But that's where we start and we move forward from here. The best thing you can do that I can do, that any of us can do, is spend time in the living and active truth of God, the Word of God. Amen. 
First thing we have to follow is will. Second thing we have to follow is word. And then here's the third thing. We have to follow his work. Nobody says this. We have to follow his work. Now, I want to settle this tonight. Here we come, the end of our study, the end of the gospel. I want to be sure of this and settle this tonight. To be a disciple of Jesus is to carry out the work of Jesus. And the work of Jesus is to lead people to Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. The work of Jesus is to lead people to Jesus. Now, I want to I say something here. Discipleship is not church attendance. We've acted like, well, church attendance, that's discipleship. You need to get saved and attend church. Discipleship. Now, it's a good thing. It's where we hear the word of God. It's where we study it. But we've come along. We've made that the end all, be all of everything. Hey, you're going to church. You've been six times in a row. You're ready to be a deacon. <laughs> discipleship, listen to this. Ooh, discipleship is not finishing a Bible study. Well, oh, I've done six Beth Moores. I've done four of these. I did, a, I did a great study on Ephesians. You know what? Not even this one. And I love this one. Discipleship is not finishing a Bible study. Discipleship is not going to a weekend conference and singing all the songs in the weekend conference. Let me tell you what discipleship is. Here's what he's trying to teach Peter. It is abiding in the will of Jesus. It is abiding in the word of Jesus. That's how you know the, the will of Jesus. And it is leading people who are hurting and lost in their sin to find peace in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. Let me tell you something, and it's hard, but I'm just going to tell you. If you are not leading people to Jesus, you are not living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine Peter and these guys saying, yeah, but we got new scrolls. Yeah, but we read all this stuff. I've memorized what Mark wrote. And never leading anybody to Jesus, if you're not leading people to Jesus, you're not existing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Ouch, that hurts. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not telling you that to make you feel bad. I'm not telling you that to beat you up. I'm telling you that so we can start right now. We can start right now. Listen to me, whatever age you are, well, I'm young, well, I'm older, I'm retired, whatever. Whatever age you are, whatever circumstance you find yourself in life, whatever station of life you're at right now, you can lead people to Jesus Christ. Let's go. Let's go. Same thing, that same year, I started to think about folks that are lost. And, I, and for the first time, I started to think, they don't know Christ, and they're in big trouble since they don't know Christ. And I started to think, well, I, I, need, to, I need to lead people to Christ so there's this thing called the Roman road. I'll use that. Somebody told me about it, printed it out. Only problem is I don't exactly know where that's at in the New Testament. So I turn to a page, Romans 3.23, and I'm going to need to go to Romans 6.23 next, but I need to get there quickly, and I don't know much, so I wrote the page number at the bottom. So when I'm, oh, I turned 1192, and I turned there like I know something, and I said, well, let me tell you about Romans 6.23. 
And let me tell you about Romans 5, 8. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. But now I want to tell you how to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10, 13. If you profess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, I didn't know that. So I write down that page number. And while I'm on this page number, you think I might know something. I'm looking at page numbers. So we, we learned how to lead people to Christ. I'm going to lead people to Christ. Our church started a visitation program. We're going to go door to door to lead people to Christ. I feel a conviction. I've spent this time marking pages in my Bible. I'm ready to lead someone to Christ. We go to the first door. This is a true story. And I knock like this. I don't think they're here. I don't think anybody's here. And they're like, "What? Well, did you knock? Yes, I did. Listen. Let's pray for them as we go back to the car. And that's a true story. I pray for somebody, never open the door. Listen to me. This isn't to beat us up. The greatest thing you can do in the days you have left, if it's years and years and years, or if it's two weeks, is to pray about someone to lead to Christ, to take your mouth and to tell them the good news of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That is discipleship. <laughs> Let me say this. You know what's cooler than a high school student, and that's you can do this. You know what's cooler than a college student that leads people to Jesus? It's an 80-year-old that's still leading people to Jesus. That is discipleship. Let's go. All right, Jesus says, follow me. I almost got distracted. Let's go. Verse 20. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following them, the one who had also leaned back on his bosom, at the Lord's Supper, and he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? It's that one. Peter, Peter and Jesus are talking. Let me, let me go ahead and read the next verse too. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? In verse 20, Peter and Jesus are talking. Evidently, they're walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They've had their breakfast. And as they are walking, Jesus says, follow me. This is where he says it. Follow me. At that point, Peter looks back and he sees that John is following them. Now, all the way through this gospel of John, John never names himself. He is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, Peter looks back. And he sees John following them. Let me read verse 21 again. So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Most likely, Peter had just learned that he would die. He learned how he would die. And now, now I, I don't know, so I'm not going to say I know. Either out of true concern, and maybe it was, I hope it was, or maybe out of jealousy, he says, well, what about him? Will he have to die for this as well? Is he going to have to die for a following you? What about him? How is he going to die? And I don't know. He may be brokenhearted and his friend is going to die. Or he may say, why am I going to die? How come he's not going to die? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Verse 22. Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, I think he struck a nerve. What is that to you? You follow me. 
Jesus said, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus says to Peter, that does not matter. That is not your issue. The only person you're responsible for is you. And here's what he says, and you follow me. Listen, friend, and I, I, these days we're living in, the, the, the pressure of these days, listen, friend, to follow Jesus today, we're going to have to quit worrying about what the world is doing. We're going to have to quit worrying about what the culture is doing. We're going to have to quit worrying about what other churches are doing. We're going to have to quit worrying about what either, even other followers, Christians are doing. If they're in or out, that's not my problem. If they're growing or, or backing up, that's not my problem. If they're moving forward and doing tremendous things, or if they're doing the opposite of that, that does not matter to me. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I answer for me. Nobody else matters. We live in a day where, man, everybody's doing this and the pressure's to do this, and you can't say that. Listen, we're gonna have to stand on our own two feet and stand as a disciple of Christ. We can't worry about other people. Evidently, some people heard him say that. What is it to you if he lives until I come back? Evidently, some people heard that, and they thought it to mean, now you know it's going to be one of these other disciples, but somebody heard it, and they thought it to mean that Jesus said that he would return before John would die. They were, like, maybe they're drifting around behind it, but they hear that, and they think that Jesus has said, well, John's going to live until I return. And evidently that spreads through the church. Now there is a sermon there on repeating what you thought you heard. That's called gossip. We only have one more service. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Jesus sets it straight in verse 23. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. It's not what he said. Yet Jesus did not say to him he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? End of the story tonight, here's the question. Do you really want to live for Christ? And I'm, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm, I'm very serious right now and I'm not, I'm not messing around. Those aren't church words. Sometimes we say, well, yes, let's, let's talk church words. Here's the question. I'm talking to you tonight. Wherever you're at in your, in your walk with Christ, if you trusted Christ, do you really want to live for Christ tonight? Because let me tell you something. If you do, he will empower it. If you do, he will lead it. If you do, he will use it. That's what we've seen in our study. It'll be astounding. Here's the question. Are you okay with normal? Are you okay with what it's been? Or are you ready to see Christ work in your life to an extent that it would be astounding what we would see? And there's one simple question. So do you really want to live for Christ? Let me ask you a question. What if you knew it would cost you your life? What if you knew that? 
You see, that's exactly what's happened here in these verses with Peter. Here's what's being reconciled in this last chapter. He tells them, you will be crucified. Your hands will be stretched out. You will die just like I did on this cross. And then he tells them, follow me. What if you knew before you started it would cost you your life? Here's the deal. It will. It will. Now, you may not die like Peter, but I want to tell you what, your plans will be gone. Your priority set will change. The Bible says it'll be no longer you that lives. You won't set the course, but it'll be Christ who now lives in you. You will give your life. You will trade it for his. Here's the question. Very serious tonight. So do you really want to live for Christ? Peter goes from here. And I, I was thinking about this and I was looking at some other stuff. Here they are on the Sea of Galilee on the shoreline and he's, he's reinstated him. He's told him, if you love me, feed my sheep. He's, he's recommissioned him. He spent time, Jesus put him at ease. Jesus ate breakfast with him like a friend. And Peter goes from here. And it won't be very long and he'll preach a great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says in 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 people were saved when he preaches on the day of Pentecost. It's an awesome day. It won't be long from there that he'll go boldly before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council that killed Jesus. He'll walk before them and he'll tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in that proclamation event, many others are saved and added to the church. He begins to lead the church. He leads the church in the awesome days of the church when many are hearing, and it says even the Jews and some of the priests of the Jews are hearing, and the church is growing. In the process, in those awesome days, he is arrested a couple times. He is beaten. He is thrown in jail. During those days, the gospel of Mark is written by his companion Mark, who is giving Peter's perspective. During those days, he writes the books of First and Second Peter, the inspired word of God. He does all of that in the power of God. In the book of Acts, it says he is unschooled, uneducated, and ordinary. About 30 years after this day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Peter is in Rome, and under the Persecution of Nero, the Roman emperor, he's crucified. Church tradition is he's crucified upside down. He asks himself, can you crucify me upside down? He's not counting himself as worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord. And just as Jesus said, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of John, I will call you Peter. And Peter dies stretched out on a cross having followed Jesus. Let me tell you something tonight. We're about done. Let me tell you this. My favorite thing written about Peter, and I, I like he's crazy. I like that he jumps up. I like that he throws himself in the sea. Evidently, we need leaders like that. But I want to tell you of all of these things, all of these things written about Peter. Let me tell you my favorite thing ever written about Peter. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, and he was recognized 
he was known as having been with Jesus. Greatest testimony can ever be said. You know what? We saw how he lived. We saw how he walked. We saw what he was ashamed of and what he wasn't ashamed of. We saw who he followed. And you know what? We can tell he was with Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you tonight, we can keep on with normal. Man, you may even excel at normal. Or we can live lives where we're known to have walked with Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. Don't let it end here. Let's go. Let's pray. I mean, Father, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. Lord, I'm thankful that we see people that are messed up, people that are, people that are radical, people that make poor choices, people that sin. And yet those are the ones that you restore, you renew, and if we'll repent, you put us right back in, you recommission, you empower in the Holy Spirit of God, and we're able to see tremendous things. Lord, I pray for, for those that are hearing tonight, those that are here, those that are in some other place, that tonight we would have had all we want of normal, of fitting in, of passing days. But we would say all in for the cause of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to abide in your will, to walk in obedience. Help us to abide in your word, starting right now to, to start to be consumed with it. Lord Jesus, use us to lead people to your grace and to your kindness, to salvation by faith in Jesus. Use us for that, Lord. Be known through our mouth and through our lives. Lord, we come and we just praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. We thank you tonight. We give this evening to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I wanna tell you, there's a decision to be made tonight. There's a couple of them, actually. The first one is this. If you've never trusted Christ Jesus for your salvation, turn to him tonight. You can either reject him and walk out here and say, you know what, I don't believe that. I, don't, I, I can't go with that. And you can stay under the guilt and the condemnation and the punishment for your sin. Or you can turn to Christ and in his love, he's already paid for it on Calvary. He's already settled it. You can turn to him and tonight, this night, he'll forgive you. The 99th night tonight on a Saturday night, he'll forgive you, he'll save you tonight. If you never trusted Jesus for your salvation, turn to him tonight. Trust him tonight. He'll save you tonight. If you need more information, find somebody, find me. Settle that tonight. Turn to Jesus tonight. He'll save you. The second response is this, and I pray this is the fruit of 100 nights. I pray if this is the first night you've heard, it's the fruit of one night that we would say, you know what? I want to do something that matters. I want to walk as a disciple. I want to lead people to Christ. I want people to say, you know what? I know they have been with Jesus. That's your choice tonight as well. You, you can be normal. Whole world's full of normal people, or you, can, or you can walk in radical obedience as a disciple of Jesus. We're gonna conclude with a time of invitation. If God has spoken to you, if you're making a decision for Christ, you come, meet me here. We'll settle that tonight. If you need more information, you come as well. If you, if you wanna follow believers' baptism tonight, the Bible says it's always by immersion, always after we're saved, not part of our salvation, a testimony to who we are, what we believe of Christ. You come and we'll set a day to be a great day of, of celebration. If you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here, you come as well. We'll uphold his word. We'll preach his good news for his glory that he comes again. Maybe you want to come tonight and pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me. 
Maybe on this 99th night, you just want to come and say, God, I want to leave this with you. I want to ask for something. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. I'm going to ask that no one would stir around or head for an exit. You pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here at the front. You come on, I'll meet you here.